chapter of St. Luke, Mark, uh, Luke's gospel, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Oh, there's an, I was looking for you. There's another hairstyle as we have in there. We're just telling them if, if people, they lose their hitch during the baptism, we can hitch them back up real quick. All right, good. Luke 23, I'm going to read verses 32, 33, 34, and then 42 and 43. Luke 23, verses 32, 33, 34, and then verses 42 and 43. All right, well, you have that? Okay. Uh, let's all read together. Ready, read. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Now let's drop down, please, to verse 42 and 43. Y'all have that? Okay, let's read those together. Ready, read. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. Again, in the 34th verse, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Today I'm going to talk on the subject, Jesus Christ, our intercessor. Jesus Christ, our intercessor. Father God, thank you so much today for giving us Jesus and for giving us the word of God today. I ask that, Father, that as we've prepared ourselves for the word, that, God, you speak through me. Give me divine utterance that I may speak things that you tell me, that you say to me. Give me divine unction, O oh God, that I may do those things that you guide me to do today. And I pray that your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and hearts that are open ready to receive the word of God. Let every heart be good ground to receive the word, and let it produce in our lives that which you sent it to produce. Thank you for the fruit of this word manifesting in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Have your way. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, our intercessor. Thank you, Jesus. I hope everyone has your Bibles, especially those that are in the building next door. As they not, you may not be able to see the scriptures that we're going through, but hopefully you have your Bible with you or your cell phone and so, some, so from things like that. Amen. All right. So today isn't just a holiday. Today is just a holiday. Today is a holy day. In fact, the word holiday actually originates from the two words holy day. And today for us is our holy day. To many people, Easter simply means baskets and bonnets and bunnies and brunch. But to us, it's a celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ having been resurrected from the dead. And because most people in the earth have um, a secular view of this day, it carries no spiritual significance at all. There are people who this, this very moment, they got up and just, they, they, they cut their yards today. Or people who got up today and said, I'm going to the beach. Or people said, I'm going down, I'm, I'm going to have brunch downtown. Or I'm just going to hang out because this day carries no spiritual significance. But more tragic than that is that many Christians, Christians have lost sight of how important this day is. 
many Christians have, have reduced uh, this resurrection down to just Easter, down to just a nice hat or a nice dress or a nice suit or going to do something secular. Many Christians have lost sight of this day and don't even, uh, they choose, I'm, I'm going to skip because I don't want to be around all that crowd on, on Easter Sunday because you know the crowd, the CME Christians come on Easter and I, I don't want to be around that. But you don't let anybody push you out of what's most holy and what's most significant to you. If you got to come sit on the pulpit step, I just say I can get, I want to be in the house of God because this day is my high holy day. It is the most important day on the calendar if you are a believer. Can you say amen? Because without the resurrection, we are not Christians. Without the resurrection, we cannot be saved. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17, the Bible says, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile or vain or useless. You are still in your sins. So if there was never a resurrection, we'd still be sinners on our way to a devil's hell. So thank God for the resurrection. I said thank God for the resurrection. Thank God for the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross. Colossians 1.14 says this, that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Remember, we, we just read that if he, he had not been raised, we would still be in our sins. But now we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So Christ came and served, not just sitting now on, on the throne praying, but he came in this earth and served as our intercessor. The Bible says in the, in the book of Isaiah that God, he began to look around the earth, and the Bible says that God wondered why there was no daysman. It says in the King James, in the, in the New King James, it says why he could find no intercessor. The Bible says that truth was falling in the streets. All kind of evil was happening, and God said, I can't find one intercessor. So when Jesus Christ came into this earth, he came here as an intercessor. He is not just interceding now, but he came here as an intercessor. That if he had not shed his blood on Calvary's cross, you and I would still be in our sins. If, if he had not gotten up out of that grave, we would still be in our sins. We would not be Christian. We would not be here today. We'd be on our way to a devil's hell. Tell your neighbor, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Ask him, do you? Do you? Ask you better recognize how important this day is. You better recognize how important this day is. Because without this day, you and I would be already on our way to hell if not already there. Hallelujah. But God found an intercessor. In Romans 4, verse 25, in the Living Bible, it says this, that he, Jesus, died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God. Then add to this part. Filling us. Notice, notice, notice the pronouns. You know, everybody's all concerned and up, uproar about pronouns today. You gotta refer people, you know, by the right pronouns. <laughs> the devil is a lie. If you are born a man, you're a he. You're a him. If you are born a woman, you're a she and a her. The only they and the them. That you see in the Bible 
was when that man was full of demons. And Jesus said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. If you're going around with a they and a them and a we, you got some demons in, on the inside of you. And we need them demons cast out of you. If you can't look between your legs and figure out what God made you, you got demons. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's pretty plain. I mean, I don't, it's pretty plain. I don't, I don't know what, what more proof, what more evidence you need. Well, no. I'll say this and I'll move on. You can cut off a pig's snout and still a pig. Anyway, but notice these pronouns. He died for our sins. Notice he didn't die for his sins. He died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God, filling us with God's goodness. Everybody say, God is good. God is a good God. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, 3, that Jesus Christ is the express image of God. He's the express image of God. God is good. Jesus Christ had to be good. Hebrews 1, 3, an easy to read version says this, says he is a perfect copy of God's nature. So when he came to earth, all Jesus ever did was good. I said all he ever did was good. You know the scripture in Acts 10, 38, the Bible says how God, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with what? The Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now notice, so Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, his ministry, he was always doing good. And if you are a person always doing good, you'll create problems for other people. Because if you always do good, it will attract people to you. If you're nice and kind and loving, it'll attract people to you. And Jesus Christ ran into this problem because he was always nice and kind and loving. Now, there's sometimes he had to, had to get jiggy with it. Sometimes he had to deal with some issues, but it was out of his nature, his righteous nature. And he was always doing good. And the religious people of that day, they got fed up with him. Can you say amen? amen. They hated his success. They hated his boldness. They hated his audacity to make himself out to be something. When he declared he's the son of man, they got upset. When he declared he's the son of God, they got up upset. When he declared that he was greater than Abraham, he, he said at one time, before Abraham was, I am, they got upset. Because they looked up to Abraham, their forefather. They got upset because, because he made himself greater than Moses, their prophet. And he was their beloved prophet. And when he made himself greater than Moses and the law, they got upset about him. Thus, they sought to kill him. And so, speeding here to where we need to be in Luke 23, we find that after three years of preaching, after three years of doing good, three years of healing, after ministering to everybody, that they finally caught up with him. They had tried, even from his first day out in ministry, they weren't going to throw him off a cliff. And the Bible says he walked, he passed right through them because it wasn't his time yet. Many times they, they sought to grab a hold of him, but they could not get a hold of him because it wasn't his time. 
but his time finally came. And the prince of life surrendered himself to them. Remember, he did say, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And so when time finally came for him to give his life, he surrendered to them. You remember the Bible talks about how uh, they, he was there praying in the garden, and his disciples were with him, and they were sleeping. They were with him, but they were sleeping. And uh, he prayed for hours at a time until sweat began to come out like blood and everything out of his body. He was in so much agony because he saw the agony and the pain of the cross before him. And he kept asking the Father, he said, Father, if, if it be your will, please let this cup pass. In other words, Lord, if there's any other way we can do this, please, can I do this some other way? Because Jesus Christ himself grew, grew fearful of that cross. Fearful, yes, he didn't want to go through that cross. I thought, I thought Jesus was a faith man. Yes, he was a faith man, but he was also the son of man. He was also flesh. And he saw the agony of that cross. And ask his father, is there a way I can do this besides going through this cross? Nevertheless, not my will. Come on. Your will be done. And then all of a sudden, here comes Judas, his friend. His own disciple who came and betrayed him with a kiss. So much so that Jesus said to him in a, in a real uh, way, uh, friend, you betrayed me with a kiss? And when the Bible says they, they came and asked him for Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, it's me, the Bible says they fell down before him. Not in worship. They fell down because they were, over, they were overtaken by the anointing that came from his mouth. And he gladly surrendered himself. Here I am. Let these others go. Here I am. Because he knew it was his time. And so when we arrive at Luke 23, he's on his way now to being tried. The Bible talks about in verse 1, I don't, I'm not going to read it, but in verse 1, he's there before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is a Roman governor, a Roman pontiff, and he, the Bible says that Pilate said multiple times, I find no fault in him. He tried him, he talked to him, he asked him who he was and what he thought, what was his ministry about, what was his, what was his kingdom about. And Jesus would answer rightly each time. And the Bible says that Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Then we see in verse 7 that Pilate sent it to a, another man, Herod, who's also part of the Roman government. And Herod got excited about seeing Jesus Christ because the Bible says that Herod was hoping he would see some sort of miracle, some sort of sign. He wanted, he wanted to play things, play around with Jesus. He wanted Jesus Christ to amuse him with his power. And he began to ask him things, and Jesus Christ wouldn't say anything because the Bible says that a lamb before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth, and he wouldn't say anything before Herod. And Herod began to say, don't you understand I have the right to, to, to kill you? And the Bible says that Herod had his men. They began to mock him. They began to accuse him. And they, began to, they, they even took a gorgeous robe and put it on him because he himself made himself to be the king of the Jews. And they began to mock him. But he couldn't do anything with him. And so Herod sent him back to Pilate. Now look down, please. I want to go to verses 18 and 19. Verse 18 and 19. So I want you to see something. I want you to understand today why we need an intercessor. Verse 18 and 19, are you there? It says, now this is when he's back before Pilate and the people, uh, they want Jesus Christ dead. And Pilate wants to release Jesus because he says, I find no fault in him. There's nothing that he's done worthy of death. 
And it says in verse 18, it says, And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Now, in fact, I want to add another verse to this. Can you add verse 25? Verse 25. Because Jesus Christ was saying, hey, uh, rather Pilate was saying, this don't make any sense. Jesus Christ, who's done nothing, who is perfect, no fault, and you want to release Barabbas? And he's contending with the people. This doesn't make any sense. But when people are deceived, when people are blind, when people are filled with hatred, they can't even see straight. And down in verse 25, the Bible says, and he released to them the one they requested. They asked for Barabbas. Watch this. Who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, I need you to understand something very quickly. They asked for who again? Barabbas. Barabbas. The name Barabbas, son of a father or master. Barabbas. Bar means son. Abbas means father. So he literally means son of a father or master. Now, remember, he had been arrested for rebellion and murder. He's son of a father or master. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father. Come on. You want to do. He was a murderer. If the devil is your father, you are a murderer on the inside. If the devil is your father, you are a liar on the inside. If the devil is your father, you are in rebellion on the inside. If the devil is your master, then he runs. The Bible says the desires of your father you want to do. And when, when, in, in John when Jesus Christ said that, he was talking to people saying, who they, they were saying, our father is Abraham. And he said, no, no, your father is Abraham. He said, if Abraham were your father, you would do the desires, that, the, the things that Abraham did. He said, but your father's the devil. That means everybody going around saying God is our father is a liar. Because he's not everybody's father. If you're not born again, if you're not saved, if you're not walking with Jesus Christ, he's not your father. The devil is your father. That's why you lie and can't help yourself. That's why you rebel and can't help yourself. That's why you murder and kill and loot and do, steal and do the things that you do because you can't help yourself. Now, I got to give you some, 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 some news here. It wasn't your fault. You were born into that family. Every one of us, including me, we were born into that family. But one day I found Jesus. One day he found me. And he adopted me out of that horrible family and brought me into his family. Now I have a new father and I have a new master. They asked for Barabbas, son of a father or a master. Now notice what they asked for. They asked for a man who was guilty of rebellion and murder. 
So the people, they chose rebellion over the Prince of Peace. They chose murder over the Prince of Life. Now what you must see is when they chose that, that's what was released. It says, and he released to them what they requested. And I want to bring some news to you that what has been released on this earth, what has been released on this nation, what has been released in our region, what has been released on our city is what people have requested. A spirit of murder and a spirit of rebellion is running rampant in our nation, running rampant in our city, running rampant in our schools, running rampant in our world, running rampant in our neighborhoods because people have chosen Barabbas over Jesus. And what you request is what's released. And what, whatever spirit is released is a spirit that has dominance in your region. And so you got to ask yourself, if you're experiencing rebellion and lying and cheating and murder and all kind of issues in your family, you got to check, have we chosen Barabbas or have we chosen Jesus? Y'all, y'all. <laughs> If all kind of hell keeps breaking out of your house, I said if all kind of hell keeps happening in your life, you got to ask yourself, have I chosen Barabbas or have I chosen Jesus? Because if you choose Barabbas, you get what Barabbas brings. But if you choose Jesus, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And people want to know, listen, can I, can I tell you something? There, once a Barabbas spirit is released because people keep choosing. I heard, heard a saying, they, 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 don't, they don't mock Jesus Christ. They, they, don't, they don't mock Buddha like they mock Jesus. They, 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 don't, they don't bother uh, Allah like they bother Jesus. They, they don't bother anybody else. It's Jesus that they hate. And what this nation, which used to be under God, which used to serve Jesus, what this nation doesn't realize is what we're getting is what we've requested. Because when you put Jesus out of your school and Jesus out of your grocery store and Jesus out of your neighborhood and Jesus out of your church, you make room for Barabbas. And when Barabbas comes in, he brings rebellion. Why are kids so rebellious in school? It's because we've asked for Barabbas. Why is there murder happening in our schools? It's because our schools said we don't want God, we don't want prayer, we don't want the Bible, we don't want Jesus, just give us Barabbas. And listen, I don't care how much legislation you come up with, you can't legislate devils. I don't care what kind of gun control laws you come up with. You can't control devils. And if you keep requesting Barabbas, you're going to keep getting Barabbas. Please be seated. That same spirit of rebellion 
and murder is still destroying people's lives to this very day. I want you to see something here. Because Jesus, he understood the long-term effects of their decision. He knew, now you know he was willing to go to the cross. He knew he had to go to the cross. But, but, but he knew that by them requesting Barabbas, what was coming on them. So look at verse 27. It says, and a great multitude of people followed him. This is Jesus. He, he's, he's, he's going to the cross. In fact, the Bible talks about it in verse 26. It's Simon the Cyrenian. Uh, which everybody gets hyped because as an African man who grabs Jesus Christ's cross, amen. Hell, hell, there's a black man carrying the cross. Yeah, like that's good. They're proud. Well, there's a black man carrying his cross. They forced him to. That's like slavery. Preachers be here, but. Black man carried the cross of Jesus. <laughs> that was as a slave, man. That wasn't like nothing, nothing big. That wasn't good. It says, verse 27, and a great multitude of people followed him and women who also mourned and lamented him. So they're crying for Jesus. Remember what has been released now. Verse 28, but Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Uh, <laughs> can anybody see this right here? He said, listen, listen babies, don't, 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 don't cry for me. I'm, I'm about to leave here. I, I'm, I'm about to get up out of here. Don't, don't cry for me. He says, don't. Weep for me, but watch this. Weep for yourselves and for your children because you and your children will have to deal with the long-term effects of requesting a rebellious and murderous spirit that is released on your nation, on your city, on your region. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm out of here, so don't cry for me. So you better cry for yourself. And for your children. Verse 29, for indeed, for indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren. Now, remember the Bible talks about in, in Psalm 127 that children are a blessing from the Lord. Children are a heritage. He says, yeah, but when this thing has been released... When this spirit has been released in full measure, things can get so ugly. Well, you'll say, blessed are the barren. Wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Because you he said, in other words, there'll come a time you don't even want to bring children into this earth. Because you never know what Chester Chester child molesters out there and what. We, we used to worry about Nakisaki back in the day, y'all. Little green men running around, crowding to grab little boys. And 
it was all like, like myths and legends back there in the day, but it ain't, it ain't a myth today. It ain't a, it ain't a legend. It's real people trying to grab little boys and real people trying to grab little girls and real people that, that, would, that would give children to alligators. It's real. Evil people on this earth. It gets so bad, it says, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. He says in verse 31, for if they do these things, what you just did, in the greenwood, while I'm here, in the day of salvation, in the day of visitation, while the giver and the prince of life is walking this planet, while the prince of peace is on this planet, he says, what will be done in the dry? What will they do when Jesus Christ is already gone? What will they do? What will they do when the word becomes precious? What will they do when you're ostracized for even believing in Jesus? What would they do when you're ridiculed for wanting to pray and bless your food in public? What, what would they do in, in the day when the churches don't even respect and reverence Jesus anymore? When it's dry. Hallelujah. So he said, don't weep for me. Now, verse 32 and 33 talk about what happens. I'm going to skip to verse 34, and I'll come back to the, those other ones. Because they're, they're now crucifying him. They're going to crucify him to take him to the cross. He says something to them, says something to Father. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, I know we reference this to he's saying, Father, forgive them for crucifying me. But I want you to understand, he says, they don't know what they do. They, they don't know what they just did. Okay, 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 okay. Now, he, I, want you to, I want you to see beyond the cross because he understood he had to go to the cross. The Bible even says that if the princes of this world had known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So they didn't know. So we, we know that they don't know, but that's not the only issue at stake. He knows what has been released on the world because of what they've asked for. He says, Father, notice the intercessor now. The intercessor. He says, Father, now watch this, this is going to help somebody in this room. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He says, he says, Father, forgive them. They didn't say, Father, forgive us. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, catch this. If they know not or they do not know what they do, then they do not know they need forgiveness. This will hit you by Tuesday. If they don't even know what they're doing, then they don't know they need forgiveness. 
So what he's doing then is he's asking on behalf of those who don't know what they need. Y'all didn't say anything. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to find, find somebody here. They don't know what they're doing, so they don't know what they need. And there are people who are walking around this planet. They're cutting their yard right now. They're at the beach right now. They're, they're downtown having brunch right now. They're, they're living up there at the mall, and they're barbecuing, and they, they don't know they need to be forgiven. So you invite them to come to your church, but they don't know they need to be forgiven. You keep talking to them about getting saved, but they don't know they need to be forgiven. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know that every time they turn down Jesus Christ, they're rejecting the life that comes. They don't know that they're blaspheming him. They don't know that they are ridiculing him. They don't know that they are crucifying him afresh. They don't know what they're doing. Every time they cuss and throw God's name in. Every time they're fornicating. I knew y'all get quiet right there. Every time they're fornicating. That means having sex with somebody outside of your husband or wife. Every time they're fornicating, they don't even ask for forgiveness because they don't even know what they're doing. Every time they're getting high and getting pacing and getting wasted, they don't know what they're doing. So, and, 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 and so because they don't know what they're doing, they don't ask for forgiveness. But Jesus, our intercessor, he prayed the prayer. He put the request in for us. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, I know all y'all, y'all good. Y'all like, oh, yeah, this, that's why y'all just, oh, no, I knew I was, I was a sinner. No, no. But your cousin, who you keep inviting to church, who you keep trying to tell them, hey, you need to get saved. Why won't they get saved? They don't know they need to be saved. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know they're on a collision course to hell. They don't know that if God would withdraw his hand from them, if they would breathe their last breath that moment, they don't know that the next second they'd wake up in hell. And so they may come to church on Christmas. They may come to church on Mother's Day. They may come on Easter. But go back to the same life that they always lived because they don't know what they're doing. But Jesus, our intercessor, said, Father, forgive them. I, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. What, what is an intercessor? What is an intercessor? An intercessor is someone who appeals to or negotiates with someone else on your behalf. I'll, I'll read it again. An intercessor is someone who appeals to or negotiates with someone else on your behalf. You must understand, ladies and gentlemen... You and I, in our unclean state, could not even stand before God. You and I, as wretched sinners, could not even stand before God. So we had to have someone who was worthy, someone who was clean, someone who was pure, 
someone who was holy, someone who was righteous to stand before him on our behalf. That's why the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate is an intercessor. An advocate is an intermediary. It's someone who goes to someone on our behalf. And I contend there are people sitting in this room, sitting next door, who are living and don't even know what you're doing. Who will hear a preach message, go eat some fried chicken, play a little basketball, but tomorrow get right back up. And live the same way because you don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand that your sin. Isaiah 59 Around verse 1 or 2 says that it's your sins. Put it up, Isaiah 59. Give me, give me Isaiah 59, verse 1 or 2. I, I need to see this. Oh, God. Isaiah 59, verse 1 or 2. Be, watch this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse 2. But your iniquities from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to save. He wants to touch. He doesn't want you to go to hell, but your sins and your iniquities get in the way. And you, somebody, somebody right here saying, but I'm a good person. If good people got in, he would not have come and died for us. Ain't no, there's nobody that good. There's nobody good enough and nobody too bad that the intercessor can't get through for you. Jesus made intercession for those who wronged him. Notice again, they didn't ask for forgiveness, they didn't know they needed forgiveness. And there are people today who are in that same situation. People who despise Jesus. They disregard Jesus. And don't realize that there's doom hanging over their heads. Remember, they asked for Barabbas to be released. I want to read something for you real quick. In Psalm number 2, I'm going to read six verses of that from the Living Bible. Psalm 2, verse 1 through 3 and verse 10 through 12. I want you to see, and I want you to, I want you to think about, can we just focus on America? I want you to think about our government and our education system and the business world, the entertainment world, the medical world. Think about the news world. Think about sports. Think about what you see and tell me if this ain't what we have happening here. And as a result, what we have happening to people. It says, what fools the nations are to rage against the Lord. How strange that men should do what? Try to outwit God. For a summit conference of the nations has been called to plot against the Lord and his Messiah, Christ the King. Verse 3, this is what they say. 
This is what they say in all the systems out there. Come, let us break his chains, they say, and free ourselves from all the slave, this slavery to God. Get him out of the school. Separation of church and state. We don't want God in our system. Keep God inside your little church. Verse 10. Verse 10. Watch God answering back. O kings and rulers of the earth, listen while there is time. Tell your neighbor, listen while there is still time. Serve the Lord with reverent fear. Rejoice with trembling. Fall down before his son and kiss his feet before his what? See, everybody give a picture of this nice, sweet Jesus. And he is nice and sweet. But there's going to come a time when that anger is going to come out. He says, so fall down and kiss his feet before his anger is aroused and you perish. I am warning you, his wrath will soon begin. But all the joys of those who put their trust. All the joy of those who put their trust in him. How many of you have put your trust in Jesus? We have joy everlasting because we put our trust in him. But those who fail to do so, there's a doom and a destruction that is hanging over your head. So God put judgment in the hands of Jesus. He put judgment in the hands of Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't intercede for you, you're a dead man. I, I, I didn't say that bold enough. If he does not intercede for you, you're a dead woman. I don't care how cute and curly your hair is. I don't care how many curves you have. I don't care how many muscles, how big your pectoral muscles are. If you do not serve Jesus Christ, you're a dead man. You're a dead woman. He must be your intercessor. I'm going to preach anyhow. I'm going to preach anyhow. I'm going to preach anyhow. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Romans 8 34 says this. Christ who died is risen and at the right hand of God also makes intercession for us. He does what? Hebrews 7 verse 25 says he is able also, also able to save to the uttermost, those who do what? Come to God through him. Since he always lives, come on. So he can save it to the uttermost. Save it to the top. He can take a low down, rotten scoundrel, scumbag of the earth, and make him into a mighty man and woman of God. It doesn't matter how he finds you. He can turn pimps into preachers. Y'all don't, like, don't like that. He can, he can turn drag queens into deacons. Uh, see, I, I want to see if what y'all, Pastor, I don't know about that. Yes, he can. He can turn, he turned you around. Come on now. He, I said he turned you around. Give me 
in Hebrews 7.25 in the, in the Living Bible. Hebrews 7.25 in the Living Bible. Notice what it says, Living Bible. It says he is able to save completely all who come to God through him. Since he will live forever, he will always be there. Watch this. To remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. All right, now, 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 I'm, I'm almost done, almost done. So we dealt with those, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. But let's go back to Luke 23, verse 32 and 33. Are you there? It says, there were also two others, criminals. Criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Everybody say criminals. What is a criminal? A criminal is one who has broken one or more laws. A criminal is someone who has broken one or more laws. And the Bible is very careful to point out that these were criminals, which means they had broken one or more laws. And I have to give you some news, ladies and gentlemen, that we of all, we have all broken one or more of God's laws. Your Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all, all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all broken laws. In other words, we've all been criminals. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me on here. I said we've all been criminals. I'm still looking for some people back in the back. We've all been criminals. Look, look today and say, you were a criminal, you were a criminal. You, you might still be a criminal. I'm just, I'm going to check. You might still be a criminal. You got a criminal mind. I watch you work. You got a criminal mind. You got a criminal nature, a criminal attitude. You, you break God's laws all the time. Criminals. But the truth is, we were born criminals. We were born into a crime family. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. You were born a criminal. I know some of y'all, you're too cute, you don't want to hear that. You were born a criminal. Look at you, some of y'all still don't want to hear. You were born a criminal. I'm pointing at every one of y'all, all cute and all old, but you were born a criminal. You ain't always walk right. You ain't always serve God. You haven't always lived right. You were born a criminal. Matter of fact, that same verse, Psalm 51 verse 5 in the Living Bible says this, but I was born a sinner. I was born a sinner. 
I know y'all don't want to hear that. I was born, I know, I know cute pigtails and all that kind of stuff, but I was born, I was so cute when I was born, boy, I was adorable. But I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. That's why you don't have to teach a little child how to lie. You don't have to train a child on how to steal. They're born criminals, born into a crime family, born in sin and shape in iniquity. So we're born criminals. As criminals, we deserve death. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin, for the wages of sin, now we were born sinners. We were born sinners. And the wages of sin is death. But on the other hand, God has a wonderful gift that he wants to give to those who believe in him. But the gift of God is, come on, eternal life. Now go back to Luke 23. Let's bring this home here. Luke 23. I guess my time must be up because the musician's already on the keyboard, huh? <laughs> I said, Pastor, we ready to eat. <laughs> Lord, Lord, I got to tune up now. Oh, Lord, yes. Oh, Lord. See, they, they waited me to do the easy thing. He died, didn't he die? He died until he was satisfied. They laid him down in Joseph's borrowed tomb. He went down into hell. Three days and three nights, he was in the belly of the earth. But early on the third day morning, early on the third day morning, he got up. With all power in his hand. <laughs> but I gotta help somebody because I can tune, but I want you to get in tune with Jesus. I don't want you to leave here and be a criminal. I don't want you to leave here and still think you don't need forgiveness because he already prayed for you. He already interceded for you and he did what he did to get you born again so you wouldn't die and go to hell. Look at, look at it. Look, 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 look. Luke 23, 39, 39, look at 39, 39, 39, 39. Oh, Lord. Bring me down a little bit. Down. Down, down, there you go. If you're going to back me up, don't make me strain the day. I don't want to lose my voice. (laughs) 
Let's finish. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him. One of the criminals blasphemed him. You're already a criminal. You're already in a mess. He blasphemed him. There are people who are criminals who you offer you to say, I don't need no effing Jesus. I'm just telling you what they say. They don't know that the fires of hell are leaping at their feet. The fires of hell are leaping at their toes. And if God withdraws his breath from them, they will plunge headlong into a devil's hell. And they're saying, I don't need Jesus, but baby, you need Jesus. My brother, you need Jesus. My man, you need Jesus. And he blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, watch this, save yourself and us. In other words, there are some criminals who are never repentant. Some criminals who never have remorse. Some criminals who are never rehabilitated. All they want to do is just be released from their punishment. But I want you to turn to verse 40. But the other. There were two criminals. One would not repent. One would blaspheme Jesus. One would talk big and bad. But the other. Ask your neighbor, are you that one? Are you the other? I don't want you to be that one that's not repentant. I don't want you to be that one that thank you all that. That you don't need a savior. That you don't need a deliverer. That you don't need a redeemer. I want you to be the one that says, I'm the one. I know I messed up. I know I fell. I know I'm in trouble. I know I did wrong. I need a savior. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly. We indeed justly. I'm guilty as charged. I actually deserve what's coming to me. I did it. I kept doing it. I tried to hide it. But I got caught we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong this man had the same revelation as Pilate I find no fault in him the only fault I find y'all didn't catch it I find no fault in him. The only fault 
one who has no fault, he looked beyond all. I better come back over here. But the one who has no fault, he looked beyond all of my faults. He said, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, I wonder if I'm going to have anybody today who's going to talk to Jesus. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. <laughs> I messed up. But Lord, remember me. I went wrong. But Lord, remember me. I've been a liar my whole life. But Lord, remember me. I've been a cheater my whole life. But Lord, remember me. I've been sleeping around my whole life. But Lord, remember me. I murdered somebody, but Lord, remembered me. I've done plenty of wrong, but Lord, remember me. And Jesus, watch this. He paused death. He put a time out on death. Because I'm an intercessor. And as an intercessor, I'm always interceding. So when somebody cries out for help, I stop what I'm doing. Your Bible says that Jesus Christ was obedient to the death. But he said, death, hold on a second. I got to take care of something real quick. Somebody realized they need my help. Somebody realized they were wrong. Somebody realized they don't want to go to hell. And the man said, Lord, remember me. Watch this. When you come into your kingdom. He recognized that Jesus was indeed a king. The religious folk mocked him because he said he was a king. In fact, they got mad because Pilate wrote on his inscription that he's king of the Jews. And they said, no, don't put king of the Jews. They said, put that he said he's king of the Jews. But this man who went, see, when you're humble enough, if you say you're a king, you're a king. If you say you're the son of God, you're the son of God. If you say you're the son of man, you're the son of man. Whoever you are, remember me. Oh, I'm going to mess somebody up. I don't care if you is white. Remember me. I don't care if you is Hispanic. Remember, I don't, I don't, care, I don't, care, I don't care what you are. Remember me. Because there's some silly folk going around talking about I don't want to serve no white Jesus. Well, go down to a devil's hell and see how you like that. I wouldn't care if he was polka dot. Had zebra stripes. As long as he has the power to remember me. To deliver me. To set me free. 
Now watch this. Here it is. We go home. This man said, I deserve to die on my way to hell. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today. Somebody shout today. You will be with me in paradise. Two things I want you to note on that real quick. When he said today, you'll be, you'll be with me in paradise, which means they're both, he knows they're both going to die. Which this tells us, first of all, there is life after death. Tell your neighbor the death, your death is not the end. There's something after you die. You better make sure you're ready for after you die. If death was the end, then live on, do what you want to do. But since death is not the end... How you live determines what happens after you die. Because he said, this day you shall be with me. You shall be with me. So we're going to both die, but we're going to go and be somewhere. And he said, you shall be with me in paradise. So the option is that you spend your eternity in paradise, which is our equation, uh, our, 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 our equal to heaven, or hell. And he says, because you sought my forgiveness, because you sought my intercession, today you shall be with me in what? Paradise. Now, remember, the man, this man don't even realize he's prophesying. Because he said, Lord, be, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said today you shall be with me in paradise because Jesus Christ at the time of his death, that's where everyone went, paradise. But now it's not paradise. Now he's in his kingdom. Once he had gone and put his blood on the mercy seat and now paved the way for people to now go back to heaven, now we don't go to paradise. Now to be absent from the body is to be present So now, if I would cry out, Lord, remember me, he'll say, today you shall be with me in my kingdom. Jesus is in his kingdom. Listen to me, everybody on your feet. Those in building two, I'm talking to you too. On your feet. He's in his kingdom right now. Our intercessor did everything it took for us to have life. And he said to that man today, notice immediately, he says today you shall be with me in paradise. Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss this opportunity. Those who are mocking him, who didn't know they needed salvation, they missed it. And the thief on the left, on the one side, who mocked Jesus, who said, if you are who you say you are, save yourself 
and save us. Interestingly, the people who were on the ground, when they looked up to him, they said, oh, he said he's the Christ. If he's really the Christ, let him save himself. This proves how ignorant they were of the scriptures. Because if they had actually understood the scriptures, they would have understood the Christ had to die. The Bible says, thus it behooved Christ to suffer. That was, the, that was a prophecy. That was a prophecy that Christ had to die. So if they had understood he was the Christ, he couldn't save himself. Through his death, he was saving us. But they missed it. And the man on the cross, the one thief, the one criminal who knew he was a criminal, and rather than ask for forgiveness, he just asked for relief from punishment. Just don't, don't let nothing happen to me. That's like the people who they want to walk around and slang all the dope they can, but want to have a tattoo on their arm about the blood of Jesus. and They want to live wild and be gun runners. Sleep around as if diseases aren't spread, but they covered under the blood. See, what you want is just the relief from punishment, but not the release from your sins. And if that's how it is, you will die as a criminal and wake up in a devil's hell. But this one man who was a criminal, he didn't die a criminal. He was on his own cross as a criminal, but before he died, he received justification. And Jesus said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Listen to me. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says this. Listen to me very carefully. Every person listening in both buildings. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Listen to me, that man on the cross, he knew he couldn't wait till tomorrow. He knew he couldn't wait till next Easter. He knew he couldn't wait till he was 40 years old to get saved. He knew that this was his last moment on this earth. And if nothing changed, he'd wake up in hell. My wife and I, we were watching video of the funeral of the young lady Passion and her little boy Talon who was murdered and it just grieved you to see a casket that small to see a young woman 20 years old She didn't know that would be her last night on the earth. I don't know whether she was saved or not. I hope she was saved. I don't know. I'm not here to judge her or, or, or even, even question. I don't, that's not my place. I don't, that's not. I'm here to say, you don't know. We have an intercessor who passed through the heavens.
He's interceded for us. And I don't want anybody today to leave this place and not receive what the intercessor came to give. You need to be saved. You don't know when your last moment will be. This man knew, but you don't know. Today I want to invite you on what the Bible calls the accepted time, the day of salvation. It's a holy day. It's a holy day. It's the day he rose. And he rose, the Bible says, he was raised again for our justification. To make us right with God. And if you're in this room, next door, I'll wait on you to come. Someone will guide you to this building. I want you to come to this altar today to get saved. I want you to come today and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I've been a criminal. Like everybody in this room has been a criminal. But today is my day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. And I don't want to take a chance of leaving this earth and having never given myself to serve Jesus Christ. I want to receive salvation. Today in this place, if that's you, then I want you to make a bold step and come to this altar and give your life to Jesus Christ. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care where you come from. Today is your day of salvation. Whoever you are, I want you to come to this altar right now. Come on. Come on, somebody else. Somebody else today. 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 Listen, tomorrow is not promised. I don't care if you're in building, if you're in building two, I'll wait for you to come. I'll wait for you to come next door. I need you to come. I need you to come. You may not have the luxury of that man on the cross. Who knew what the last moment was? You may not have that luxury, may not have that moment. I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. Come on. 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 Whoever it is, I want you to come. If you're here to get saved, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. Listen, the devil doesn't play games with you. He does not play games. He does not play games. Only game he's playing is trying to deceive you into thinking that you have your whole life to make a decision. But his whole plan is to get you so distracted and so caught up in this world that you never don't come to know Jesus Christ. Don't let him deceive you. Now listen, I want you, those of you who are here and you know you're saved, check the person next to you. If you need to be saved, I want you to come. Come to this altar right here. Come right here. Come right here. You check them. Check them. Check them. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on.